Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. If you were here last week, I brought a message to you from the fifth chapter of Luke. And uh, as I opened up the story, I entitled the message, The Rewards of a Right Decision. They have to do with when Peter went to the time in his life where he was a fisherman. James and John were his partners. They were in the fishing business. Peter had been struggling as he always did in his life. And he went fishing one day and he caught no fish. He did everything right but there were no results. Maybe you've had that happen in your life once or twice. You knew you did everything right. You had the effective right way of doing nothing. And you were very disappointed. Well, he came in the morning real tired. Jesus, the carpenter, shows up. And of course, the Messiah. And he tells the fisherman how to fish, which is tough for a man to accept. But you remember, he made a right decision. He said, at your word. There's no evidence that what you're saying makes any sense at all. But at your word, I'll go out and I'll do what you told me. And you remember that the results were quite astounding. In fact, they were so astounding that the net began to break. And he didn't have a radio, but maybe he just hollered out at James and John. said, come on over here. And they came over and they had the same experience. We saw how it changed the lives of not only Peter by just obeying God and how that changed his life, but they also, Peter saw how hundreds and hundreds of people on the shore were affected as they began to be amazed that you could catch fish in the daytime rather than at night. And James and John, his close friends, were greatly affected. And it was a super, super, super story how all that happened. And how Peter learned the rewards of a right decision. Now, we could just stop right there, and it's a great story. But to those of you that know the Bible, you know that there's some addendums that need to be discussed. If you were Paul Harvey, you might say, now for the rest of the story. I wish that we could just end that sermon and say, and Simon Peter lived happily ever after, making right decisions continually day by day like all good Christians do, and he just never had a problem. He never had a worry. He just kept climbing higher and higher and higher. But if you've read the book, you know it didn't turn out that way. It might be better for some if we were to just stop the message with last Sunday but I think it's very important that you hear the rest of the story maybe some of you went away last week and said I've been where Peter's been but I'm out in a drought time in my life again I find myself going back to my old ways well Peter was the guy that you can still identify with so I want to take you through the rest of the story this morning I could not find out uh, any better title than just to call it The Rewards of a Right Decision, Part 2. Quite creative, wouldn't you think? 
But we are going to go over to the book of Matthew, 16th chapter. I want you to hear another account of Peter's life that will just introduce to us some thought, a thought that will be developed in just a few moments. But I want you to stand out of respect to the reading of the word, and I will read to you from Matthew 16, verses beginning with the 13th verse. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some Elias and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said unto them, But whom say you, Peter, that I am? And Simon answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Pretty powerful statement. It'll become more powerful when you know the life behind the story. So would you listen as you're seated? A very quick review. The way Peter first heard about Jesus was he had a young brother that met Jesus, was so dramatically changed, he went to get Simon Peter. He said, you've got to come meet a man. You've got to come hear this man. You've never heard anything like him. Well, he served Jesus for a while right off the bat, but it wasn't very long. He went back to fishing. He went back to doing what he had done, the fire burn out, and we picked that up last week. If you study the life of Peter, you'll see that he was a very blundering disciple. He was uh, very opinionated. He was very impulsive. He sometimes would speak and then think, and he didn't always get things in order. Many times Jesus had to apologize for his behavior, but he did have one virtue that I don't want you to forget as you hear the message today. Simon Peter was one of those rare men that could be taught. He could learn. He had not come to that point in his life that he felt like he knew it all, and no one had any input into his life. He listened. And because he listened, and he listened seriously, he listened where he would analyze, am I really still making right decisions? Am I still doing what I ought to do? And in the midst of that, he realized that he had some major problems that needed fixing. He was chosen as one of the 12 disciples. The larger group would become the apostles. But he would go around with Jesus and James and John, and he was right in the middle of a lot of great stories. You remember the Mount of Transfiguration when they wanted to build the tabernacles there? Do you remember when they would go to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane that he was one of the last three, that story, and how Jesus just never threw him out. He never just said, you'll never get it, Simon. You're too hard-headed. He was patient with him. He was kind to him. And when many were floundering around, many that were making more good decisions than Simon was, but sometimes they would get weak, especially when they were under pressure. You'll see a lot of Christians that when the pressure comes down, they crater, and they would be considered faithful, Bible-believing, church-going praying Christians, but when the heat comes, they have a way of backing away. That's our reading a moment ago. 
that when there was this, these theologians were studying, and one time they believed this, next week they believed that, next week they believed that, Peter had that unbelievable faith that he knew how it all got started. His ways would change, but his faith seemed to always be there, and when put on the stand, he did not care what everybody else thought. Now, it's bad when you're thinking wrong, and everybody knows that you're going to take the other side, but isn't it refreshing when you're around somebody that says, as for me and my house, we're just going to believe God. Doesn't matter who it, you know, if you want to fight about it, Peter was ready to fight. It didn't make any difference to him. He had, it had no intent to go into the Dale Carnegie course. He didn't want to win friends, influence people. He just was, uh, he, he, he was who he was. And I think you'll see him at his best sometimes when all of his Christian buddies were at their worst. He would stand up with his crude way of doing things. He would still stand up. But Peter, like a lot of us, had a wrong comprehension of the real purpose of Jesus, who he was and why he came here. He had a problem in understanding the Messiah and how Jesus came to seek and to save those which were lost. Did not come to just beat other people on the head and say, you're not doing it right, you need to change, turn or burn. But Jesus, when his compassion, in the way he dealt with soldiers, the way he dealt with politicians, the way he dealt with the masses, the way he dealt with those that crucified him was different. Peter would witness it, but he still could not understand. Many people today do not understand that Jesus did not come to the earth to set up another religion. He came to seek and to save those which are lost. In every realm of life, he had a strategy to go out and not condemn and beat them on the head, but to receive them if they were willing to come by faith and would accept the plan that the Father had. And that was to send his only son to this world to pay for the sins of the world. Jesus told him that, example of this, that he was going to go to Jerusalem to suffer. Peter said, no, uh-uh, no, no, uh you got Peter. Anybody mess with you, they're going to have to whip me first. He just couldn't see him like that. He could not see the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Son of God humbling himself as a man and submitting even to a death on the cross, letting a Roman government overthrow him, he could not handle that. Never could he handle it. Peter kept learning, though. He kept seeing these things unfold. He helped prepare the Passover meal. He witnessed Jesus praying in Gethsemane. All of those stories now are unfolding. Whenever, though, Jesus was arrested, Peter fled. Big talk, no walk. When it really came down to putting your life on the line, forsaking all to follow Jesus, he could not handle it very well. Just like a lot of us. 
You mean I've got to forsake father, mother, houses and lands, money, career for my sake? Yeah, that's what it means. Oh, I thought I could keep all of that and add me a fire insurance policy because I sure don't want to burn in hell. And I sure want to back up when the bank doesn't come through and they won't give me any more money that I can some way get it from you, God, with three, with three prayers that you'll just rain it down out of heaven. Well, you remember the Mark account, don't you? I think you know where I'm going here. Let's just get right to it. You remember, <clears throat> he made a decision. The rewards of a right decision. He made a decision. The Lord said, you're going to die on me three times. Not me. Uh-uh, uh-uh, God, you don't get it. You still don't get it, God. I, I, let me tell you something. Not only did, the, did Jesus know he couldn't stand up to it, I think the other disciples knew the same thing. Big talk, no walk. Call his bluff, you'll see who he really is. Well, he made his decision that he had denied Jesus, which he did. If you go over there and read in Mark 14, as things began to unfold, you remember that everything he said would happen, that he would deny the Lord, he would deny the Lord, he would deny the Lord, and then the cock would crow. He went outside, the scripture says, and he wept. Why did he weep? Look at this big, tough man weeping. What made him cry? He had betrayed his Savior. He had turned his back on the person that loved him more than all people put together. And he wept. Then he witnessed the execution. That day when he witnessed the execution of Jesus Christ, Peter began his way back. I wish I had time to read you so many passages as to how he never forgot it. Go over to 1 Peter 2.23 and 1 Peter 5.1. You remember that years later he remembered the suffering of Jesus. He had seen the Son of God die, executed, nailed to a cross, and dealing with it in a totally different way than Peter ever could deal with the situation. And that never left his mind. You remember it was just a few hours later that it was Resurrection Sunday, right? It was Friday, but Sunday was a coming. All right, Bible students, the sun is coming up and a group heads for the tomb. Who's leading the pack? Simon Peter. In 36 hours, his life, or 48, or 72 his life's beginning to unfold. He's coming back. He's coming back. Here's this guy who's made all these bad decisions. He's, he's denied his Lord. All that is happening. But he makes his way to the tomb. Later in the day, Jesus makes his appearance to his disciples. Who was the first one he appeared to? Simon Peter. Isn't it good, folks? If you can identify with this at all, isn't it good? When you've denied the Lord and he shows up and gives you priority of his time and attention, does that ever mean anything to you? 
that you don't have to sit at the prayer meeting and listen to everybody else's testimony and say, I wish I had one. But I don't have one because I'm a sinner. Jesus loves sinners. But I've denied the Lord. We've all denied the Lord in some ways in our life. You go over and read in Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, 1 Corinthians 15. You see Jesus giving Peter priority. Who was the leader of the first church? Simon Peter. Who rebuked Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5 about their giving, their financial giving? Remember, they, they sold the land. We're going to sell the land, give it all to the Lord. They didn't. Who was it? They rebuked them. You got it, Simon Peter. Who was the foremost figure in the Christian church in the first century? It was Simon Peter. Now here's my question. If I today, or if you today, decide to follow Jesus, to forsake all and to follow him, if you make that decision, to follow him and never turn back in your life, how does that play out, play out at the end of the journey? How does it play out? What happens when you stumble and fall, when you have two choices? Either I lay here and waller in my self-pity and say everybody else is in this mud hole, or if you say I'm getting out of here and I'm coming back to the Savior. How does it play out? in your life well we can go back to the old testament and we can look at israel what did israel do they forsook the lord they went their ways they went after false gods did god throw them out did he get rid of them if you're sitting here today and you say i can identify with israel i used to follow the lord when i was a teenager i was on fire for god when i was in college i was in the whatever mission group when i first got married Man, I told God until death do us part, and I meant it, and I was going to raise my kids and nurture and admonition of the Lord, but something happened. Something happened. Israel was in bondage. <clears throat> God gave them Moses to lead them, and he gave them a GPS to follow. It's in Exodus 13. Verse 21, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them by the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light and to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. I want to ask you a question. If God led Israel that way and in the daytime there was a sign and at nighttime there was a sign, if you want to follow the Lord today, do you think that sign is out there today? It is there. It is there. You say, but, but I can't find it. You know why? Because you're looking at the wrong places. Remember that old song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah. You know, I found one at the honky-tonk, but he wasn't what he said he was. So I've gone back to the same honky-tonk <laughs> and hope that the new music will produce better men. But it hasn't. It hasn't. Let me tell you something. God makes his way plain, and he doesn't veer. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You take up your cross. You follow me. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, and no weapon is formed against you will ever prosper. Now, why can't you do that? 
Well, you know, I'm busy. I've got this new job now, and I'm having to work nine hours a day, and, and uh, that one hour of overtime is just killing me, and when I come home, I'm tired, and by the time I watch TV for four hours, I just cannot read the Bible, and, and I don't have any time to pray, and, you know, all this kind of stuff. That's the way Peter had some time in his life when he would do it. Let me tell you something. God makes his way plain. He says, I'm the light of the world. I'm not a shadow. I'm not darkness. I'm the light. You can see the light if you're looking for the light. Well, how do you see light? You open your eyes. That's the way you see light. You open your eyes. The evidence is conclusive. It's all around us. Look what happens to people that live in darkness. And look at what happens at walk in the light. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That means we come to church. That means we have friends that are Christians. That means we study God's Word together so we can get in conversation and we can discuss not the latest television show, but thus saith the Lord. And what has God spoken to you this morning in your devotional time? Let's talk about that. And let's let iron sharpen iron. That's what Peter couldn't do. He kept on going back to the world, back to his peer group, back to those that he ran with prior. And as a result, he lost his way. But thank God for grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved all the wretches like us. Your guide can be the Holy Spirit. He said, I won't leave you or forsake you. Your guide can be the examples of Jesus. Did he obey the Father? Did he submit to the Father? When he was tempted to go with the devil and do it, he said, no, the Word says, the Word says, the Word says. So there's another GPS, the Word of God. The example of other believers. Your personal experiences. Anybody want to get up and give a testimony of what the sweet old devil's meant to you? Would you like to give us a classic, just how he blesses you and provides for you, makes your marriage just like this, makes your children love you and love one another? I've never heard one. Never heard one. But I could pick out 100 people just like this right here, right now, that would stand up and say, once I was in darkness, but now I'm walking the light. Once I was sinking in sin, but now I've been raised by the grace of God, and my whole life has changed. And if it's a man and he's married, his wife will be saying, amen. Amen, amen, and amen. None of us are what we want to be. None of us are what we ought to be. But if you come to Jesus, you're not what you used to be. And now you have one in you that will guide you. But you can't throw away the way he guides you. You've got to look at how does Jesus look at political issues that you can't understand how to vote on. How in the world does God look on something like abortion? You don't know. You think that the political parties were set out to make that decision? God has said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And if anybody offend one of my little ones, it'd be better if a millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown in the bottom of the sea. You don't have to run out there to your political meeting to decide, well, how's the party going to vote? You can say, as for me, thus saith the Lord. God says it, that settles it. Where's the ballot? Yeah, but that's not the way we do it today. Excuse me? That's the way who doesn't do it? That's the way the, the Lord does it. That's the way the Holy Spirit does. When the Father speaks, the Holy Spirit obeys. Jesus obeys. Never has changed, nor will it ever change. 
Knowing God's will is one thing, but following God's will is another thing. Our decisions that we make every day, they reveal the good, the bad, and the ugly, depending on what the decision is. You have your choice. I have my choice. We're held accountable for our decisions, but there's rewards for right decisions. But the soul that sinneth it shall die. I challenge you to get on your knees. I challenge you to find a place this afternoon where you can get by yourself and get on your knees, bow your head and say to the Lord, I will follow whatever, whenever, and wherever you lead. I'll go. I'm going to let you make my decisions. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to walk with you. And when I fall, you can pick me up. God wants his people to be a holy people. A holy people all through the scriptures. You are a holy people, a royal priesthood. We got to live in this world, folks. There's an old song, this world is not my home. Excuse me, it happens to be right now. Even if you're from where it's cooler than it is here today. This world, we have to live right now. This is our temporary home. This world is our home. But we're not to follow the practices of this world. We, we must breathe. We must move about and have our being. But we are to take up our cross and follow him. And once you've made the decision, I'm going to get out of Egypt. I'm going to get out of bondage. I'm going to get out of this prison. I'm going to quit letting people use me. And I'm going to follow the Lord. When you make that decision to follow God, victory is yours. You're going to be set free even if you didn't want to. You're going to see the chains broken. There came a time... In Peter's life, when he made those horrible, horrible choices. You remember the walking on the water? How'd he do? Did good as long as he kept his eyes on who? What happened when he took his eyes off? Like a rock. He changed to an anchor. In Matthew chapter 14, 28 through 31, you'll read that story. Didn't take but a moment. By the way, you know how, how, how quick it takes you to go from the mountain to the deepest valley just like that. You ever see something jump off and you ever see those divers down in Acapulco or down in Mexico diving, cliff divers? Have you noticed it don't take them long, does it? If they make the decision, which is a stupid decision as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> but once they run out there, and throw their arms out, they don't have much choice after that. <laughs> but whether it's a good dive or a bad dive will be decided quite quickly, right? Peter was so hot-headed. He had a temper like this, undisciplined, cut off the ear of the guy. You remember that? The, the high priest servant, Malchus, I mean, cut off his ear. Now, he was trying to cut, him, he was trying to cut his head off, really. He wanted to put Mal over here and cuss over here. That's what he planned to do. But he just wasn't as good with a sword as he was with a fishing net. But Peter found himself sitting around a campfire one night. The heavens were declaring the glory of God. 
But he looked down for a moment and he saw how strong the enemy is. I've, I've already been told we're going to lose. The political climate has changed. The moral climate has changed. The intent of people have changed. We've chosen sin. No, I've read the book. Those that are faithful win. No, you can't win. You're in the minority. We're going to be in a bigger minority than we are now, but we're going to win. Because God said so. So he looked around, and he didn't understand that he was weak, but God was strong. He had tasted the promised land, but he starts back towards bondage. It's hard to look at the world at the cross at the same time, isn't it? It's hard to look at what everybody else is looking at and look at an open tomb and an empty cross. In Mark chapter 14, verse 30, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crows twice, you'll deny me three times. Verse 32 of the 14th chapter of Mark, Jesus takes Peter to Gethsemane. Verse 37, he comes back to find him asleep. In the 40th verse, he finds him asleep a second time. Then he goes back, he comes back in verse 41, he finds him asleep the third time. All he said was, can't you just stay awake? Can't you just stay awake? Let the Holy Spirit deal with you. No, I worked hard, I'm asleep again. Verse 54, Peter's falling from afar off. You see, he's getting farther and farther. Then a maid comes from the palace in verse 66. In verse 68, he denies Jesus. In verse 69, he denies him again. In verse 70, he denies him for the third time. And in verse 72, the cock crew. And in verse 72, it ends, Peter wept. So will you. You choose to deny the Lord. The day of weeping is coming. All of those times, not only three times did he deny him, three times he couldn't even stay awake. He had nothing. Jesus had nothing to say to him. Even that late, and everything goes down. But like I told you earlier, Jesus is not through with Peter. Aren't you glad there's a future for failures? Can you find yourself in this story anywhere and say, man, I tell you what, if Peter would have lived 10 more years, he'd be where I am today. Let me tell you, God's still there. He's still tenderly calling. Come home, come home, come home. When Jesus appeared to Peter after the resurrection, is when Peter was reminded of how important he was to God, that God didn't give up on him. Can you imagine what that might have been like? I'm sure he had already written the pastor, you know, I've been gone and you didn't come to see me. But Jesus showed up. That's better. Jesus showed up and said, Peter, I know everything you ever thought, not only what you did, but I still love you and I've still got a purpose. And if you've learned enough now to start making right decisions, I got your life planned out until it comes to the end. Peter saw the importance of his life after the resurrection. So he takes the leadership of the church, and God gives him a dream. Martin Luther King was not the first one to have a dream. 
Peter had a dream. His dream was that God was going to take and use him. Did he use him? Who preached on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 people were saved? There were a lot of good preachers to pick from. I'm sure the committee on committees that was to, to pick the preacher for that convention had a lot of choices, and they pre- picked Simon Peter. But Peter's dream was that God was going to use him to convince the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah, and that was his calling. That was what he was to do. Go to his people. Like Stuart Rothberg is for us. That speaks to us on, Sunday, on Wednesday night if you are our guest today. He is a Jew by birth. And he is a born again Jew. We're all Jews if we've been saved. You know that? A lot of people think somebody's got to pay retail so God makes Gentiles. But if you'll just remember you're a Jew, it'll save you a whole lot of money in the days to come. I just trust you. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's who we are. And Peter said, just like Stuart has such a passion to reach, to reach the Jewish people, say, this is the promised one. He does fulfill the Old Testament scripture. Read Isaiah. Look at Jesus. He is the Messiah. That's where Peter started. That was his call. He had it all going for him. He had the temper, the argument, everything else for the ways of this world. But God called him out and said, you're the man. You're the man. And he did a good job getting us started right. To turn the shame in your life into the glory of God is a wonderful experience. Peter's past was over. Jesus had risen. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father. Now, Peter, here's the direction of your life. Go to the Jews and tell them the Messiah has come, he has died, he has risen, and he's coming back again. And let me tell you, after that, to my knowledge, the direction of the fire had been determined by the direction of the wind, the Holy Spirit wind. Got behind Peter, and when the time came, now, this is tradition from, from good books, not the Bible, but from good historians of that day, that when Simon Peter came to his own crucifixion, he asked that he be crucified upside down because he was not worthy to die upright as his Savior was. Now, that's a man that's had a real decision. I'm going with God. I'm not worthy to live for him, and I'm certainly not worthy to die like him. And he was crucified. If you today can make up your mind that you're going to serve the Lord, I'm going to tell you something. God's got a pillar of fire and a cloud by day to give to you. If you'll be open, Lord, what would you have me to do? In 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 the darkest moment of your despair, God will send to you a word, a way, a touch. Somebody will come. The Holy Spirit might come and just speak into your being, maybe in your sleep, maybe when you're awake. But when you have convinced God, 
I will follow you all the days of my life. When you make that decision, you can rest assured the cloud and the fire will come. The problem is, have you made that decision? You say, I'm just really having trouble determining the will of God for my life. Why are you having trouble? Are you in the Word? Do you have a time when you pray? Do you have godly counsel? Do you worship the Lord? When God blesses you with whatever blessing it is, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's talents, do you use those blessings for the glory of God, or do they just stop with you? Give me a talent, I'll use it for the world. Give me money, I'll use it on myself. Give me time, I'll do what I want to do. Give me an education, and I'll join the group that tries to deny that there's a God. Why don't you just let it flow through you? God will speak to anybody that he knows will obey him if he speaks. Speak, Lord, thy servant hears. God is not going to waste his time speaking into a deaf ear and a heart that's not open to the Lord. So you've got to weigh that. Nobody can do that for you. And if you think anybody's trying to cram religion down your throat, you're going to miss it a thousand miles. I saw a bumper sticker with Beth yesterday. It said, God is too big for one religion. Let me tell you something. God's too big for all the religions. He's bigger than any of them. He's bigger than man's idea of Christianity. He is God. This is his word. He is alive. He is risen. His Holy Spirit is here. All he's trying to do is, can I find a young person that will take their life when they're young and use it for the glory of God? I saw Tim Tebow this morning on television. He was let go. Quarterback. Big deal. Watch the way he handles it. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he's talking about. Seeing how depressed that he is. He knows what he's here for. That decision made a long time ago. There are a few out there. There's not a lot of them, but there's a few out there that says, I know God's called me, God's saved me, God's got a purpose. If he slays me, I'm going to trust him. It's not about me. It's not about football. It's not about religion. It's not about money. It's not about sex. It's not about being recognized. It is about being what God wants me to be. I've got to decrease and he's got to increase and that's my decision. And when you make that decision, your life's going to change just like that. But the problem is you're still going to run around. Well, I'm going to think about it. What are you going to think about? Well, maybe later, but right now, maybe there's not a later you do know people die like that don't you why not today is there any reason you could give the Lord today why you won't follow him trust him serve him can you one reason that he would accept say oh I understand that well why don't you take time to think about that he would say that to you can you think of anything I never could there was times when I wanted to especially when God called me to preach and the girl that I'm married to now 50 years told me she had never married a preacher. I knew God was wrong. <laughs> but he showed me very quickly he was right. And when you get ready and commit to following the Lord, you can look for your pillar of fire and your cloud by day. It'll be there. Now the decision is in your court. That's the rest of the story. The reason I gave you the rest of the story is I want you to know 
there's more to this thing than just one good decision. Okay, I'll go fish. Y'all, there's a miracle. Wow, that's good. Isn't that, hey, y'all see this? Isn't this great? Come on, the fish market's open. We're going to have sail on. That's not the way life is, folks. I don't care how high you're on the mountaintop. When you go on the other side, it's going to start down. And the only way to stay up there is for the Lord to hold you with his strong arms. So I want you to think right now as we make decisions. We're going to open up the door of what we call a connection center. It's a lobby back here that comes off the main lobby where we have people that are going to go in a few moments to just talk with you and help you understand what I've tried to share with you today to help you make a right decision, to show you this is not about organized religion. This is not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's about this one thing I do. Forgetting those things that are behind, I'm going to press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. I will listen to what he says, and I will obey. And when God knows you will listen and you will obey, you will be inundated every day with this is what the Lord wants of you at this moment. That's all we have is right now. Now, if you can come to that moment today and say, that's what I want. I don't want any more of trying to figure it out. I don't want any more of people telling me what to do. I don't want any more of just having my way. I want to serve him. And whatever he desires of me, that's what I ask for. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. As we close our eyes and we think for just a moment, I want you to think back of how much God loves you. That he would send his only son to come and reveal himself to you so that he could use you for this temporary time that we have on this earth to rescue the perishing of the sins of this world. And to bring them by grace, not through their works, but by grace, into a wonderful relationship with the Lord. So today, if you're here and you would say, Pastor, I've still got a lot of questions. But one thing I know, I'm not happy today. One thing I know, life's not good. I'm having trouble figuring out a whole lot of things. There's problems at home, there's problems at work, there's problems with my health, there's problems with my children, there's problems with my neighbors. I just, I'm just having tough times. But dear God, I just know, can you say this to the Lord? God, I know, I haven't been following you. I don't read your Bible. I don't have a quiet place to listen to you. I just do the best I can. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I'm under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Sometimes the lust of my flesh is so strong. Just talk to him like that. He knows, just acknowledge, I'm having trouble. If you can just open up like that, if you will go to the Connection Center and just walk out these doors to the back, the door to my right, just turn left. If you walk out the door to my left, turn right. Those double doors will be open. You can come in and there someone will really, really help you. And that'll be your decision. There's cards right in front of you. 
right where you're sitting. You could just write your name on that card and how we could get a hold of you. And you can see the decision there you could make. Just say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm a sinner, and I'm sick and tired of it. I want to trust you as my Savior. And with all that I know how to do, I acknowledge my sin. I repent of my sin. I turn from it. And I'm making a decision today to invite you into my life and to live with me for the rest of my days. And when these days are over, to take me to heaven so that we can just praise you forever and ever and ever. If you'll pray that simple prayer, meaning it from your heart, the Holy Spirit will convict you and you'll know God is heard and God is answered. Dear God, I pray now as we sing this, this last song and people are given a chance I realize that all the demons of hell come against an invitation it's Labor Day weekend in Houston there's 10,000 things that we can think about that we need to rush out at a more convenient time but I'm praying God in Jesus name for you to knock down the barriers that you would put your arm around those like you did Peter and say you're important to me you need to do this today. This is a day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And I pray, God, that you will just bring people to the cross in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sondays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.